Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, open them up. We're going to be in the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 5, in our study this evening. I'm so glad that you're here, and I hope you're encouraged by the Word of God tonight. And as I've been speaking on Wednesday nights, we're taking time through uh, the, our study in the Scriptures to look at words from the Bible. We believe that words matter. And when the Bible uses a word, we should know how that word is used, how the application of that word is supposed to be um, seen in our lives. And so tonight we're going to be looking at a very important biblical word. We looked at repentance a few weeks ago. We walked through uh, justification, what salvation means. And if you don't have a copy of the notes, they look like this. It'll give you an opportunity to follow along and then even have uh, the scripture references to be able to use a little bit later. If you have your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 and verse number 15, this uh, epistle here is written to a group of people, a church, and he's admonishing them. There's a number of different things we learn from the book of 1 Thessalonians. We learn about the Lord's return. If you need a copy of the notes, if you raise your hand, we'll make sure that some folks get them to you. Just keep it up for a second. And John, who's always just doing good work, he'll make sure he gets you a copy of that. This church is uh, concerned because they haven't seen the return of the Lord Jesus Christ yet. People are passing away, and so the Apostle Paul will merit some of those concerns. But there's an interesting passage at the end of chapter number 5, and the end of chapter number 5 deals specifically with this idea of sanctification. Let's look at what verse 15 says as the Apostle Paul closes out this book, this first of the books to the people of Thessalonica. The Bible says, See then that ye render evil for evil, uh, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. So here is a, uh, a group of people who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. If you know Christ as your Savior tonight, say yes. Okay, so this would be people like you. These are people that know Christ as their Savior. Perhaps they're in a Bible study similar to this one. This is a church that Paul cares for. This is a church that Paul loves. And so he's helping them grow. The foundation of knowing Christ as their Savior, it's secure. But he's helping them grow as Christians. And so as Christians, there are rules, there's behaviors that we're to abide by. And he says in verse number 15, as he's closing out this important narrative, he says, make sure if somebody does you evil, you don't get them back. You did this to me? Oh, I'm going to do that to you. He says, render not evil to evil. If you did bad, someone did bad to you, don't do bad back. Oh, that one hurts, right? Don't you like, have you ever, are you like me when somebody says something bad to you? You're not quick-witted to get a very good reply. And later that night, you're laying in bed rehearsing the ideas of the day and that hurt, that thing that they said to you, it's sticking in you and it's like 10.37 at night and you turned out the lights and you're sitting there and you're like, oh, that would have been a good one. But to text them back or to say it out loud would just seem unprofitable, so you let it go. How many of you are like me in that you don't have good, quick comebacks? How many of you have a sharp tongue and you can just eviscerate somebody really good? 
yeah, that, what a noble Christian virtue. So that's something that the Bible says you're not supposed to render evil for evil. So if somebody says something bad to you, take it. Oh, man, that one's tough. The Bible says in verse 15, but ever follow after that which is good. Do what is good. Isn't it wonderful that the word of God is not this weird matrix that you have to figure out? He says, do good and not evil. <laughs> That's pretty easy. Like 98 out of 100 times, the good thing versus the evil thing is apparent. There's very few times we're like, I just, I just don't know what to do. So God says to Christians, you need to do good and don't do evil. And then he gives a list, almost a grocery list. These are some of my favorite verses in the Bible because it's easy to memorize these verses in the Bible. These are ones where like, oh, my scripture memory for today is 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Why? That's an easy one to memorize. All of you can memorize this scripture, okay? 1 Thessalonians 5.16, this is what the scripture says. Two words, rejoice evermore. Okay, don't look at your Bibles. Look at someone near to you. If someone's not near to you, look at me, and I want you. You can rehearse it again. I want everyone. The kids are back in Awana memorizing scripture, okay? And they've got lots of scriptures, okay? So you can memorize a scripture tonight. In fact, if you have a kid in Awana, you should say, what scripture did you memorize? And then you can quote back your scripture memory for the evening. So all of us, if you don't memorize this scripture, you need to... You, you, you need to talk to our missionary because maybe he can help you. We're not doing a very good job around here, okay? Here's a scripture you can memory. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16. Do you got it? If you have it memorized, say yes. yes. All right, let's set the count of three. Say it. Memorize scripture together. One, two, three. Rejoice evermore. Give yourself a round of applause. That's fantastic. You just memorized scripture. You are growing as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's a very low bar, but we'll take it. Verse 17, another great scripture memory. I'm not going to put two on you at one night, but here's the second one if you just want to go crazy, okay? So the first one, do good. What's a good thing to do? Rejoice evermore. Well, sometimes I like to complain. Don't. You be happy about something. Look for something to celebrate and rejoice. And then number two, pray without ceasing. I'm supposed to be asking God all the time. Whenever a situation arises, whenever trouble comes, what's the first response? Oh, what am I going to do? Nope. You pray without ceasing. God, I need you to work in this situation. Lord, I don't know what to do here. Lord, would you fix this? Pray without ceasing. These are virtues that God tells us to adopt. Number three, he says, in everything, give thanks. For this is the, oh, very big words, will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Oh, so here in this grocery list, he goes big on that one. He says, will of God, make sure you're thankful. Number four, he says, quench not the spirit. You ever seen somebody's spirit get quenched? I can, I can be a spirit quencher. Somebody is celebrating, somebody's excited about it, and oh, I've heard that one before. You ever had your kid come up and tell you a joke? My kids are telling me the same jokes I was telling my parents 30 years ago. Luke will come up every once in a while, Dad, did you hear about this one? Yeah. Dad, knock, knock, who's there? Banana. <laughs> Dad, knock, knock, who's there? Banana. Dad, knock, knock, who's there? Banana. 
Dad, knock, knock, who's there? Orange. Orange who? Orange, you glad I didn't say banana? I've heard that since, since I was seven years old. I've heard the exact, and a few weeks ago, Luke told me that joke. It's easy for me to quench people's spirit. They're excited about something, but specifically, it's not talking about the childhood ambition. It's talking about the growth in the Lord. Have you ever seen somebody hear the story of Joseph for the first time? Oh, it's fantastic. You ever heard somebody learn the story of David and Goliath for the very first time? Oh, some of you here tonight, you've known it since you were four or five or six. But to hear, did you, did you hear about this guy? He was, he, was a ri- he, he was ripped. He took the jawbone of a donkey and he fought 1,000 people with nothing but a bone in his hand. Did you know about that? Yes, Samson. Wait till you hear about his haircut. What a buzzkill, right? The Bible says, don't quench the spirit. Don't quench the spirit. Number five, he says, a despise not prophesying. If someone's coming to you and telling you something you should do, accept it. Don't be a person who's like, don't tell me what to do. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Receive truth. Receive somebody speaking truth in your life. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain. This is a really interesting one. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Isn't that interesting? The, the bar for a Christian is not just to do good and stay away from evil. It says, abstain from all appearance of evil. It looks like it's a little bit shady. Abstain from that. Well, it's really not that bad. Well, abstain from it. Even if it looks shady, if it looks like it could be bad, abstain from all appearance of evil. I remember when we were about 10 years old, we were up near Lake Tahoe with my dad's pastor, his name is Don Carter, and we drove all day, and when we went to Lake Tahoe, there, was, there wasn't anything open except for a bar, and we hadn't eaten all night. And it was a bar, grill, mostly bar. And so we were there, and my dad took us over, and he said to my mom, and all of us kids were just like, we're hungry, we're hungry, because we're children, and he didn't want to quench the spirit, so he wanted to feed us, and the only place open was this bar. He said, well, preacher, you think it'd be, yeah, let's go. And they went over and got some chicken nuggets and got some burgers or whatever they did and went into that place and brought them over to the hotel. And when my dad came back, he said, you know what, guys, I just want you to make sure you know, I went into a bar, but we didn't drink beer. We didn't do anything wrong in there. And I just don't want you to ever think that your dad would be a place who would go and visit a bar. This is the only place open tonight. And so we got food because you guys were hungry and we're hungry. And we we're driving all day long. Do you understand that? Yes, dad. Are you okay with that? Yes, dad. Is there anything you want to ask? Yes, dad. Can we eat the chicken nuggets? That was what was important to us at that moment. But my dad, was impo- it was important to him that he wasn't even having the appearance of evil. Okay? Pretty cool. The Bible says this. Now, this is the verse we want to use as a a launching pad. The very God of peace, sanctify you holy. That's the word we want to look at. The very God of peace, he has a job to sanctify you. And notice what that last word is, that adverb is, it's holy. When you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, a few minutes ago I said, have you trusted Christ as your Savior? You said yes. So at the moment you trusted Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit of God came and lived inside of you. You cannot be more saved now than at the moment that you received Christ as your Savior. You are 100% saved. It's not like you were 67%, because keep working on it, you're two-thirds of the way there. When you receive Christ as your Savior, you are 100% saved, and you can't lose any of it. 
You go rob a bank, that's like five points minus. Nope. You go and um, you cheat on your taxes, that's five point minus. Nope. Once you are saved, you are saved 100%. And that 100%, it can't be dinged, it can't be ripped off, it can't be lost. And you got all of it. You got all of the salvation that you will ever get. So what is he speaking of here in verse number uh, in verse number 23? He's saying the God of peace shall, sanct- shall sanctify you wholly. What that means is there is a part of you that is not sanctified. Every one of us in here have a part of us that is not sanctified. Oh, you are saved. And you are saved 100%. You can't lose any of it. You can't get more of it. You have all of Jesus that you can get. You're as saved as you will be a thousand years from now walking on streets of gold. That's a great thought, isn't it? But there's a part of you that is not sanctified. It's that part of us that is going to die. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is what? Yeah, good. The wages of sin is death. So there is a part of me that will die. It's not going to be my spirit. It won't be my soul. But there is a part of me that will die. It's this flesh. And the reason this flesh is going to die is because there is sin all up inside of this. There's sin all over here. There's selfishness. There's pride. There's arrogance. There's envy. There's all sorts of sin up inside of this thing. And before you start looking sideways at me, you got it too. I mean, it's just covering this place. There's sin all up inside of our flesh. And so this flesh has to go through this process of sanctification. This sanctification is the, is the day-by-day working of God to reflect who he is. I am on a day-by-day journey. Sometimes I do good at it, and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I crushed that one. And then sometimes it's like, this is just a bad day. You have them too, don't you? And so the Bible says, here's practices that we adopt. And with these practices that we adopt, we adopt these practices so that we can be sanctified wholly. My inside is saved. My soul is saved 100%. But my outside still messes up. And so what do I have to do? When I feel like complaining, I have to rejoice evermore. Whenever I feel proud and self-reliant, I have to pray without ceasing because all of us have pride, all of us have envy, all of us have laziness, all of us have struggles that we're dealing with, and so we are on this, can I use the word, spectrum of sanctification. Now, you'll never be more saved, but there are times when you're more Christ-like. Let me say it again. You'll never be more saved than you are now, but there are times when you're more Christ-like. The, the Sunday morning, people who are serving back there and they're giving their time and loving the Lord and, and uh, helping out, oh man, they are, they're Christ-like at that moment. But that same person at two o'clock in the morning the next day, probably not as Christ-like, right? Because I don't know about you, but at two o'clock in the morning, I'm not very Christ-like. I, I'm very selfish at two o'clock in the morning. And it doesn't matter if there's a kid who's screaming bloody murder. I'm like, oh, they're messing up my sleep because I'm just not Christ-like at that time. So that process of sanctification has to be made in our life. So let's look at what sanctification in the Bible is, how it applies to our life, and where we can put it into our daily practice, because words matter. The Word of God is not, is not something that is just, oh, indiscriminate. The words matter, okay? 
In the Bible, the word sanctification comes from the Greek word, in the New Testament specifically, it comes from the Greek word hagios. Now, I don't know if there's any Greek people in here, but that's my best English def uh, translation of the Greek word hagios. Let's say it together. Hagios. One, two, three. Yeah, good. Use a little bit of guttural in it too. Hagios. Isn't that fun? The way I remembered that when I was in college is because Hagendoss is better ice cream than just about every other ice cream. Okay? So Hagendoss is separated above the rest. You can go and get your uh, uh, great value, your select, your Briars, but Hagendoss is better. You say, how do you remember? That's this is how I became the man I am today, okay? Because <laughs> hagios is it's better. It's set apart. It's different. It's, it's better. The Greek word for the word sanctification or sanctify is also the same word that is used for holy in the New Testament. They're all synonyms. They all come from the same root word. So sanctification, sanctify, holy, set apart. They're all the same word. Uh, the Bible says, but of him ye are in Christ Jesus, whom God made us unto wisdom. Okay, so this is where we learn about Jesus. Righteousness, that's when we accept Jesus. Sanctification, that's the process that we're going through in redemption when we see Jesus Christ. Sanctification is a part of the Christian life. All of us are going through this area of sanctification. It means to be set apart. It's the idea that in your life, everything else is the same, Sanctified, everything, this is this, 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 this. Whoa! This is sanctified. Oh, all, everything else is the same way, but this is sanctified. When I was growing up on Sesame Street, they played this game, one of the little video clips that they made. It says, one of these kids is doing his own thing. One of these kids is not quite the same. One of these kids is doing his own thing. Now it's time to play our game. It's time to play our game. And they would show these four kids. Did anybody else know that song in here? Oh, some people who had good childhoods. So I'm watching this. In, in each four of the corners, you would see maybe three kids, and they're jumping rope. Three kids are jumping the rope, and then there's one kid, and he's bouncing a basketball. And the object of the game on Sesame Street was to figure out which one was different than the rest. They were finding out who was set apart. That's this illustration. God desires for us not to live like the status quo. Oh, well, I work for the government. Awesome. And this is just what government workers do. No. You're set apart. Oh, I, I own my own business. And, you know, as we own our own business, sometimes you have to do this, and sometimes you have to do this, and sometimes you have to do this. And that's just the way business owners... Oh, no, 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 no. You're set apart. Do you understand the difference? God desires for us to sanctify our lives, okay? The word sanctification is always intentional in Scripture. I'm going to give you some Old Testament and some New Testament principles. Number one, in the Old Testament, sanctification was used as a place. In the Bible says in Exodus chapter 19 and verse 23, And Moses said unto the Lord, The people cannot come unto Mount Sinai. For thou chargest us, saying, set bounds and the, about the mount and sanctify it. From time to time, people will use this room. They'll call it an auditorium. But they have also used the word sanctuary. Why? Because this place, when we're gathering together, learning the word of God, singing the praises of our Savior, it has become a holy place. 
It's holy. What is happening right now is a holy function. We lift it high. It's set apart. It's not like everything else. It's not like the, uh, the outdoor basketball court. It's not like, it, it's a different holy purpose. So in the scripture, the Bible teaches us that there's an intentionality about sanctification. You can sanctify a place. Oh, Mount Sinai, nobody else goes there. Only Moses goes. Moses goes there, everybody else stays here. Why? Because it's set apart. You can set apart a place. Number two, you can set apart a people. The Lord said unto Moses in Exodus 19, go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. Here's people, they're living in a wilderness, they're going through their activities, and here Abram says, stop. All the things, excuse, not Abram, Moses says by the word of the Lord, stop. Stop what you're doing. Nobody's taking care of the goats today. But the goats need to be taken care of. Not today. Nobody's going to go out and do it. Why? Because today we are going to sanctify our people, our actions, our behaviors, the processes that we are following. They're going to be different today. And he's going to call for a specific fast and a time of cleansing before they receive the word of the Lord. So you can, you can sanctify people. You can sanctify a place. You can sanctify a position. Oh, I hope that God is holy in your life. I hope that he is sanctified. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 13, sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear and let him be your dread. What freaks you out? What makes you afraid? What keeps you up at night? The Bible tells us that there should be a fear of God that surpasses anything else in your life. Now, not necessarily that it keeps, what's God going to think of me? If you have a proper fear of God, you don't concern yourself with all the menial tasks of the day. Why? I can go to sleep because behold, the Lord giveth his beloved sleep. God's in control. Me sitting here freaking out about it at 12.45 a.m. isn't going to fix anything in Ukraine or in Israel or in Washington, D.C. It can't even fix the plumbing problem in my own neighborhood. So I can't worry. I'm not going to fear. I, place God, I elevate God into a position that only God deserves to be. God's position is high and lifted up above everybody else's, above every other circumstance. I can trust God. Why? Because I can sanct God can sanctify a people. He can sanctify a place. But there's a position that needs to be elevated. Growing up in your house, were you allowed to use the Lord's name? Oh, man, I wasn't. You weren't allowed to say, oh, my, and use the Lord's title. And I remember the first time I heard somebody use the name of Jesus Christ inappropriately. My dad got hot. Why? Because that's the name of Jesus. That's a holy name. You don't use it as a curse word. It's not like Bob Costas. If you're ever upset, call Bob Costas out. He doesn't care. But you don't use the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ, it's a holy name. Why? Because he's sanctified. His position is high. It's lifted up. Notice a process. He says, blow a trumpet and sanctify a fast and call a solemn assembly. Why? Because there are certain things that you do that are holy practices. So notice how sanctification can come in a number of different ways. I can sanctify a place. I can sanctify a people. In your life, there are special people. In your life, there are people that when they call, you send them to voicemail. 
You know why? Because they're not sanctified. Okay? You can sanctify a position. Oh, God. God ranks higher. He ranks higher than a number of different people. Why? Because he's God. I can sanctify a process. When I sanctify a process in my life, I start putting a behavior and say, this is important. For most of you in this room, it, uh, let me just say it this way. For everyone in this room tonight, you sanctified going to church on a midweek service. Nobody came to you and said, if you don't come, bad things, man. Hey, we're expecting you at the church. It's Wednesday night. Bring your tithe. Nobody did that. It's a new ministry we're thinking about, but we haven't started it yet. Okay, it's not anything. So you're here tonight, and the reason you're here tonight is because rather than watching the news or being at home or dead scrolling on a, a, a tablet someplace, you said church is important. So you sanctified a process, a behavior, an action in your life so that you're in church on a, on a Wednesday night. Some of you drove 30 and 45 minutes to get here. Some of you are right in the neighborhood. But you sanctified a process. Praise God. That's what it means. Blow the trumpet. Sanctify a fast. Do this and call a solemn assembly. Notice this. Number five, intentionality about sanctification is that you can sanctify a purpose. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man, of the, uh, every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. Oh, I understand. One of the reasons I believe you're here this evening is not just because you want to check a duty, yes, I did it like you went to the gym. You're here because in your life, you are required to give an answer to every man. You'll have people that you're responsible to talk to. You'll have friends that you're responsible to talk to. There are others that you are to share the good news of Jesus Christ. You have a purpose. You are a holy vessel. You're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You are made in the image of God. And so as that image bearer, as that representative, as that ambassador, you have been made with a purpose. What is the purpose? Here is part of the purpose. Be ready to give an answer of the hope that lieth within you. So, do you know Christ? Yes. How would you share that with someone? Do you, do you know why you believe what you believe? Do you believe somebody can lose their salvation? Can you share that biblically? You need to have the hope that lieth within you. You have a purpose. You are not just going through life so that you can be a consumer of a utility company, an automobile manufacturer, or some designer shoe or uh, clothing label. You have a purpose in life that supersedes all of those things, and that's to share the good news and the truth of who Jesus Christ is. So we sanctify people, we can sanctify place, we can sanctify purposes, we can sanctify a number of different things, but it's always intentionality because sanctification does not come by accident. It does not come by accident. You have to be intentional about it. You're not going to grow and be the Christian that God wants you to be by accident. It's like, whoa, <laughs> well, looky there. That's not the way this happens. It happens by intentionality. Number two, it's not only intentional, but it is directional. Notice that in the scripture, it's moving from one direction towards another, from one place towards another. Let's give another couple scriptures. In, in the scripture, sanctification is moving from darkness to light. In Acts chapter 26, the Bible tells us to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Notice there's a purpose here. The purpose of sanctification in your life and my life is so that we can help people turn from darkness unto light. 
the, the inheritance that's been given unto me is not solely for my own benefit. It's not solely for my enjoyment. It's so that I have the opportunity to take from darkness into light. It's a directional thing. So it's intentional. It's intentional in a person, a place, a position, but it's also directional. There's, there is a goal intended with it. It's not just free will and go wherever you can. No, it, there's a purpose, there's an intention to my sanctification. God doesn't impose rules on you just because he likes for you to have rules. Whew. You ever been in an organization where you think they just like to impose rules for the sake of imposing rules? Have you ever been in a place where maybe at your job or in uh, maybe an institution, a schooling place where it's like, we have rules. Why? Because we have rules. And we will have rules because rules are meant to be had. <laughs> okay, great. And like, well, well, why do we do that? Don't ask. It's the rule. But it doesn't make any sense. I know. But we will do it. You don't have rules for the sake of having rules, and God doesn't call us to be sanctified just because he wants you to be sanctified. He has sanctification with an intention for number one, to turn darkness to light. Number two, he wants us to think earthly, he wants us to think heavenly instead of earthly. If ye then be risen in Christ, the Bible says in Colossians chapter three, verse one, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Now, don't raise your hand, but weren't many of your thoughts today earthly rather than heavenly? I know mine are. Anytime I hit a traffic jam, I start thinking earthly rather than heavenly. Don't you? Anytime I see the price of gas, don't you start to think earthly rather than heavenly? When you see your paycheck and then you see the rest of the month, do you ever see more earthly than you do heavenly? And so God tells us that part of the sanctification process in our life is to not just help others know Christ as their Savior, but to give us a broader view of what life is about. It's a heavenly view. You're going to live forever for 10,000 years. You're, you're, going to be, you're going to spend an eternity in heaven or hell for, for 100,000 years. That's a long time. And there is no end to time. It keeps clicking and clicking and clicking, even in the millennial in the future. When you read Revelation chapter 20, 21 and 22, there is still time going on throughout the rest of eternity. There's time going on. And so God says, maybe you should think a little bit more about that than your 401k. Ooh, man, that's, that's a hard thing to do. Because we get so much... At the bottom of CNN tomorrow, you will not be able to see your heavenly reward dividends. What's the bond market versus the stock market today? How's the S&P 500? You're not going to see that. But what you will see is you'll see graphs going up and down and up and down and up and down. Why? Because the world is saying, look at this, 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 look at this. And God says, we sanctify we put this purpose, this plan, these people, these processes in place because we want to live heavenly rather than earthly. And if we live heavenly rather than earthly, we are securing something that is much greater than a large 401k or a cabin or a Winnebago or whatever the dream is that you have on your mind. God desires for us to live 
heavenly rather than earthly. Directionally, he wants us to move from being dirty and guilty to clean and free. Do you remember the last time you got in trouble? Remember that? I don't know when it was, but you remember the last time your husband found out what you actually bought at Amazon? Remember that? <laughs> Just saw three husbands look at their wives like, yeah, you remember that. I remember, that was three, it was this afternoon. <laughs> Do you remember those times whenever you thought about, oh, I just, I feel so bad. I feel dirty. I feel guilty. The Bible tells us this. Such were some of you. And if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in the verses leading up, 1 through 10, he gives a whole list of people who do lots of bad things. Like, oh man, they, they cheated people. They, they uh, were sexually impure. They were just doing a whole bunch of bad things. They were just such bad people and doing a whole lot of bad things. And then the Lord reminds his people, such were some of you. Such were some of you. It's not like, well, Jesus saved me because I came to a place of personal holiness. No, he did not. No, he did not. Jesus saved you because you were a sinner in need of salvation. That's the only reason Jesus saves anybody, because he can't save somebody who's already good on his own self. So the Bible says, such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of our Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Oh, directionally, God wants me to abandon well, I was, I was a violent, mean thief who took advantage of everybody, but now I'm saved. I'm not supposed to be a violent, mean thief who takes advantage of everybody. A Christian should be different. I'll say it again. A Christian should be different because Christians are supposed to live differently. When you get a quote from a Christian businessman, you should know that that's an honest quote. When you get a repair job from a Christian businessman, you should know, oh, I got that repair, and it's done to the best of their ability. Why? Because Christians behave differently. They don't skip corners. They don't slide. They don't falsify reports. Christians do Christian things because we're Christians. Well, I really know how to do this. I'll tell you this. Before I got saved, I could do, oh, okay, but now I'm saved, and I sanctify the Lord God in my heart, and I'm, uh, I, I'm acting differently. I move from rebellious to obedient. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. This is what's beautiful. Sanctification does not come through my own merit. Sanctification does not come because I woke up 15 minutes earlier. <clears throat> Sanctification is not because you decided to take cold showers. I hate the flesh, so I take a cold shower every morning. Take that. You're not more holy because you take a cold shower or because you know, I'm going to go without eating cashews. Why? Because they're nuts. <laughs> they're not the only one who are nuts around here, buddy. I'm going to not eat cashews, so I must be holy because I have stopped eating this. I've stopped enjoying the dalliances of warm showers. And I have abandoned my NHL package on cable. You don't even like hockey for the glory of God. <laughs> okay? So 
Sanctification is not something where you work and you I have grown into super Christian. Nope. Sanctification is whenever I yield myself to the Holy Spirit. It's a much different thing because Christians can get checkboxy really quick, can't they? Great verse. Mark chapter 8 and verse number 15, Jesus says, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. Okay? And then he says, and the leaven of Herod. We as a Christian, as a Christian community, we have a tendency to do one or the other. In the exact same verse, Jesus says, don't be like the Pharisees. Rule, 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 rule. Then he says, but don't be like Herod. <laughs> it's okay, baby. You just be you. It's all good. He says, there should be a balance. You're not lascivious and living in a, a manner that's completely abhorrent to God, but you're not taking this place of a, I am a strict this, we will do. No, because it's not by the flesh that I have become sanctified. If there is any level of sanctification in Matt Tice's life, it's been a work of God in my life. It's the Holy Spirit of God working through me. It's yielding my will. Well, you can set your alarm. Yeah, you can put disciplines in your life. Being at church tonight helps you to be a better Christian. But if you say, I'm a better Christian because I went to church, you kind of are getting a little pharisaical there. If you're a better Christian leaving here, it's because the Holy Spirit of God did a work in your life. Do you get the difference? It's, it's because, not because you did something, it's because the Holy Spirit of God moved through your life. And in our context, so many times it's easy to say, well, I don't do this, and I don't do this, and I don't do this, and I'm not doing this, and I've stopped doing this, and I am 30% down doing this than I was last week. And it's so me-focused, but that's not how the Bible says you grow in your sanctification. You grow in your sanctification when the Holy Spirit of God says, you need to give that person a track. Could I invite you to Harvest Fair Sunday? You just grew in sanctification. When, when you say a lie that's like 85% true, and you say, you know what, that's not true. This is what really happened. Oh. And I, I don't allow myself to comprehend, well, I'm 85% there. No, because it's, it's all or nothing, baby. So sanctify, look what the Bible says. Through sanctification of the what? The Spirit. It's the Spirit of God working through your life. And as you're obedient to the Spirit of God, He starts to grow you in ways you could never dream possible. So elect, according to the foreknowledge of God, through sanctification in the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. How do I sanctify? I say, okay, Lord, whatever you want me to do. Okay, Lord, I, I, I'm going to tithe if that's what you want me to do. I'll, I'll go and witness if that's what you want me to do. Uh, I will spank my child if that's what you want me to do. I will give forgiveness if that's what you, whatever you want me to do. Vocationally, and this is what's interesting, and our time will be finished. When I start to sanctify, it starts to change my behaviors. It changes the chemistry of how my relationships work. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, check this out, that ye should abstain from fornication. Fornication is sexual activity outside of marriage. Any sexual activity outside of marriage, okay? That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Notice, when sanctification starts to work in my life, it changes my relationships. Whereas prior to knowing Christ and the Spirit of God working in my life, I, I'm no better than one of those dating shows on uh, some reality TV spoof. I'm no better than that. 
That's, that's, that's what you do. We're in Vegas, baby. But whenever I understand sanctification in my life, it starts to change even the way I, re- I relate to the most intimate and personal things of my life. Wow, my whole chemistry has changed. Number two, my destiny has changed. For we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, whereby God hath from the beginning chosen you uh, to salvation through sanctification in the spirit of belief and in truth. Wow, sanctification gives me a greater understanding of my destiny. It changes my earthly focus to a heavenly focus. Wherefore, and then look, notice this, wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle, the high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. And it talks in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 1 about the superiority of Christ to religion, the superiority of Christ to tradition, the superiority of Christ to angels. Hebrews chapter 3, but it changes our focus. But sanctification is not salvation. You cannot sanctify yourself unto salvation. Sanctification only comes after salvation. But it is a process that all of us are going through. And all of us need to yield to the Holy Spirit so that we can grow. It can happen in places. It can happen in people. It can happen in processes. But God desires for all of us to be working through this process of sanctification. And if you say, well, what am I supposed to do to be sanctified? Here's the answer. Ask God. And he'll give you an answer every single time. God, how do I need to be sanctified more? And if the answer comes back, you're good, you're not there. You need, you need to have another prayer request time with the Lord. Because if you look at your life, you're like, God, where do I need to be sanctified more? He will show you. He, it might be you need to call this person and ask for forgiveness. You need to give a $50 gift card to this person. You need to, um, you need to be more friendly. Well, I'm an introvert. I'm so introverted then maybe you need to be more friendly. Ooh, that's a heartful one. If you're more extroverted, maybe God's going to tell you to shut up. I don't want to. Shut up. Okay. But God, all of us are in a spectrum of sanctification. And if you don't know where your next place of sanctification is, if you're saved here tonight, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you, he will show you. And if you'll be obedient to him, he'll show you what the next step is. And he'll show you what that next step is because we're all in this process of sanctification. And you're never going to be completely holy. Why? Because not one person, not one person has evaded this thing called death. So sin, sin always wins. It always wins. Oh, except for one day, about 2,000 years ago in a garden, Jesus, he kicked down a door and he conquered death. And there's our hope because this life doesn't end with our death in the ground. The Bible tells us in a moment, in a twinkling eye at the last trump, the dead in Christ shall rise, and we shall be raised together with him. Wow. So in this, until that time, I can sanctify this body through the Holy Spirit of God working in my life, and I should, and I need to, and you need to ask God just like I need to ask God tonight. Where do I need to be sanctified? And whatever he says, do it, and grow in that sanctification. Father, thank you for the time together. I pray it be a help to these, my friends. May we use it for your glory, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.